Hello, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Cassidy. In today's episode, I am sitting down with Dr. Christine Sterling. This is my second time recording with Dr. Sterling. You may remember her from an earlier episode where we talked about preparing for motherhood during pregnancy. Dr. Sterling is an OBGYN practicing here in San Diego. And in this episode, I came to her with this question of the relationship between our menstrual cycles and mental health. I have found that with clients and in my own experience, that there seems to be a relationship where I maybe feel, if I'm somebody who struggles with anxiety, I may feel more anxious right before my period. And the, there was a lot of power in being able to understand my cycle and be able to contextualize those symptoms when they did show up. But our episode turned out to be so much more than just that. We also talked about the women's movement. We explored what it means to talk to our daughters about their bodies and about learning about our own bodies. And Dr. Sterling offers some theories as to why women tend to feel a lot of shame when it comes to their bodies and their cycles. I'm so excited to share this episode with all of you, so let's get to it. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast with Dr. Cassidy Freitas, licensed marriage and family therapist. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, let's jump in. Dr. Sterling, I am so happy to have you back. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. I knew we would do it. I knew that we would we would come back and have dialogue again and get to do another episode. And I just, I wasn't sure what it would be about. There's so many things. And then I just found, I mean, this I've been having these conversations for a long time, but I just found more recently, but having more of them about the impact of our menstrual cycles on yeah. mental health. And and then I thought to myself, well, who talks about periods? Like, <laughs> I mean, I was like, well, I guess we should. Yeah. We should talk about periods. Yeah. I mean, okay, so I, f- I first feel like I've, I've been getting more aware of my own cycle um, over the last probably year or so, really. Because I think, honestly, before then, um, I don't know, I just... I think there was like a discourse there of people shouldn't ask me about my period right. and I shouldn't talk about my period. Right. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and even to the point where like, if my husband was ever like, well, are you about to start? I'm like, don't you even start. It's not about my period. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just upset, you yeah, know, but yeah. then there's a message in that where it's like, there isn't, there is there. I shouldn't tune in to where I am. I shouldn't have that sort of I don't know, inner awareness because I'm rejecting it if somebody else points it out to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've brought up a really important point that I think, um, you know, if we can tie this into the bigger kind of women's movement, you know, um, the thing that we're all shying away from is this version of women that were hormonal and that were mm. hormonally driven. And I think that at the, so be- true. My yeah, gosh. at the beginning of the women's movement, we really wanted to say like, you know what? We're like, no, we're yeah. just like men. Like, yeah. you know, we can, we're not hormonally driven. And, um, yeah, we like kind of rejecting that discourse yes. of the hormonal woman, which I think is actually important. I, I, right. I, I want to be very careful about how I say these things because I, I don't buy into that. I don't buy into that right. hormonal woman, but there, there 
our hormones do affect our behavior. Right. So, so can it be both and? It can. Right? And it can because I think the thing that we we have data, we have studies that show that our our behavior and how and our how we view our partners and our libido and our mood can be affected by our hormones and the the stage we are in our cycle. But that doesn't mean that, say you're in your fertile window and women's libido tends to go up in their fertile window. Women tend to have more sex during their fertile window, uh, especially when they're in paired relationships. But that doesn't mean that if, you know, you're totally stressed out at work or, or you're sick or something that your hormones are going to drive you beyond that. Right. It's just a piece of, it's just a, a piece of the puzzle. Right. We're more than our hormones. And so I think any view of women that completely rejects our cycle is, is an incomplete picture, right. but we are not just, my behavior is so much more than my hormones. Mm. It's my intellect it's my situation, it's my past experiences. But we still, so I think it's healthy to talk about it, to be aware of it. And then we, you know, we can kind of look at the patterns in our life and be aware of it. And then we can make more conscious decisions. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned the stages of our cycle. Can, can you, can you share some wisdom with us for, I mean, I feel like I'm still, I'm still learning about the different it's not just okay right before my period PMS I'm going to be more irritable more anxious um which are all true things for me (laughs) often or that during my fertile window when I'm ovulating I'm going to have a higher libido can you can you share with us like are what these different stages of our yeah yeah no problem so in general your cycle is broken down into two stages um, you may have heard of the follicular phase, which is the the, the first, let's say, we'll, we'll say the average cycle is about 28 days. So the first two weeks of your cycle. And that is, that encompasses the first day of your menses um, through the time that, you know, you, you shed your lining and then your ovaries are starting to produce, to recruit follicles and create uh, a follicle that's going to ovulate. Yeah. And so then the follicular phase ends at ovulation, and that's typically around two weeks into your cycle. And then you be- begin the luteal phase. And the luteal phase is when the lining of your, um, you know, you've ovulated and um, your the lining of your uterus is kind of preparing for potential pregnancy. And so in the follicular phase, your, your, uh, female hormone of estrogen is, is predominant. And then in the luteal phase, after you've ovulated, progesterone comes along and kind of tells the lining of your, your uterus, like organize yourselves or (laughs) there may be a pregnancy coming along. And then if no pregnancy occurs, then we go right back to the um, follicular phase. Okay. And so, and can you share a little bit about these, these different stages and the impact it might have on, let's say, energy or mental health or um, these sorts of things? So it really, it's very person dependent. So um, the numbers for people who have premenstrual syndrome or that it's more severe form premenstrual dysphoric dysphoric disorder um, vary a lot, but almost everyone has some kind of either uh, physical symptoms or behavioral symptoms um, right before the onset of their menses during the luteal phase. And they typically, they really peak around... um, the, the first the first day, you know a few days before your cycle starts and they usually relieve themselves within 
two to three days after your cycle yeah. starts. So some people just have like, you know, breast tenderness and some abdominal bloating is probably one of the most common um, physical complaints. You know, there's other physical complaints as well. And then the, the mood symptoms can be irritability, um, depressed mood, feeling sad, um, you know, mood swings, that kind of stuff. And so true premenstrual syndrome is at least you know, one physical or one behavioral symptom or affective symptom that affects your life. So mm-hmm. either socially, economically. So if you're missing work or you're, you're, um, you know, getting in fights with your partner and that's affecting your relationship, it has to affect you some way. Yeah. If you just have breast functioning and yeah, yeah, yeah. occupational functioning or relational functioning, it's impacting function. Exactly. So, so, you know, if you just have breast tenderness and you go about your day, right. yeah, you don't have PMS, you yeah. don't have premenstrual syndrome, but if you're missing work or, yeah. you know, or you're finding that, you know, <laughs> you're not, you're not, uh, functioning at the same level, then yeah. that could be premenstrual syndrome. And then premenstrual dysphoric disorder, PMDD, is a much more severe form of that. And that's much rarer. That's only about 2% of the, you know, of the population um, of women. And so that's, you know, that's five or more symptoms, one of which has to be a uh, affective or behavioral symptom. And that is present for at least, you know, pretty much as, you know, at least three consecutive cycles, but most of the year that that's most present. And that's a, that's a much more severe form and that affects people quite significantly. Yeah. I've, cause I find for myself as I've become more in tune with my own cycle, um, and it's really helped me to be in tune with like, to be aware of like, the length of my cycle mm-hmm. when I'm ovulating, how often, how long after ovulation am I usually starting my period? Um, but I find that for me, the symptoms can look, it's like, it's, it's, for me, it's more anxiety. So all of a sudden, um, thoughts that I'm not used to having will creep in or maybe I've, I I have them, but in other points in time, I'm able to be like, Oh, that's, there's that thought creeping in. Like, what is that telling me? But right before my period, these thoughts will creep in and it's like, they're more powerful and like they, like I can feel it, I can feel them more physically, the impact physically on my body. Um, and then it's harder for me to, it's harder for me to, to work around it. Right. Right. And to sort of like name it. What's interesting is that as I become more aware of my cycle, that if those things are happening and that sort of like low, like that, like kind of like consistent anxiety is there, um, or just feeling like I'm in a state of like fear or fight or flight, if I'm able to, if like I feel that my breasts are tender, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, and <laughs> the minute that I'm able to sort of name it and kind yeah. of contextualize the experience of it, it doesn't necessarily mean that that, that symptoms go away, right. but I feel like I have more um, control. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So are there, and then for me, it's interesting that after my, so the minute I get my period, maybe like that day or the next day, they seem yeah. to really dissipate and go away. And then after my period is usually the time that I feel like I'm the most productive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Is there are there things that people can be aware of or be doing that you feel like are sort of proactive in awareness of their cycle and the impact that it has on them? Certainly, I think if you're if you're experiencing if you're experiencing PMS and if it's mild, I think that you can really 
change your lifestyle around that time to um, minimize how much it affects you, mm-hmm. you know? Um, certainly getting enough sleep, minimizing caffeine, especially if irritability or anxiety um, are, pred- are predominant symptoms for you, getting exercise, those types of things can really help. And if, you know, there, there are certainly... Um, you know, pharmacologic treatments for PMS and PMDD. But if it's mild, you may not want to go that route, you know? And so I like to say this to a lot of my patients who um, decide not to go to a pharmacologic route for, you know, a myriad of, you know, things like PMS or or postpartum uh, depression or anxiety is that your life kind of has to be your drug then. Mm. And you, you Mm -hmm. need to take you, that needs to be a priority for you. And it's so easy to have it not be a priority because we're just like, Oh, you know, it's my cycle. I feel like, you know, a couple days before my, my period comes on, I just feel like crap. And you can, if if it's okay with your lifestyle to surrender to that and not, and just like live in that space, then do it. But if, if that bothers you, then, being aware of it, I think, can really help you make choices in those days that positively impact your yeah. mood, you yeah. know? Yeah. There's even simple things, like I'm sure, as a therapist, I'm sure you know that there's um, a technique, that half smile technique, that you hold a smile, is it for 10 minutes? Yeah. yeah 10 yeah. minutes, you hold a half smile, and it's it's kind of a smile that you're not like beaming a smile, but right. you just, you hold a, a half smile so that maybe the person next to you wouldn't even really notice. You right. hold a half smile for 10 minutes. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff is just like little, little coping. Things. Yeah, little, little things. things that like trigger your brain, right? And yeah. can actually be supportive. Yeah. So looping back to what we sort of started with in terms of this, the hormonal woman, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. the woman's movement. Because I find that now that my partner and I Right now that I've sort of moved past, like if he, if like, if he says, Oh, are you about to start your period? Like if I'm, you know, being extra irritable, like I just fully rejected that and would get even more upset. Right. Um, and so then he was like, well, I'm going to shut up and never talk about this again. But now that we've, you know, done a little bit more work around this, because Mm -hmm. I think that, I think that bringing him in to sort of where I am is really useful. Yeah. But there's still this like stickiness around me saying, I'm about to start my period. Yeah. Um, where then, I don't know, like there's like, I think there's a fear of if I say that, then I'm not going to be taken oh, yes. seriously yes. for anything that I'm expressing that <laughs> yeah. is wrong or that I'm upset with or that yeah. I'm f- having any sort of feeling about. I don't know. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts just about that piece. Cause I think there's, there's, there's a link there, right. To sort of some of the, the rejection of the hormonal woman. Yes. Um, and so then it, that may keep us from tuning in with our partners about sort of where we're at. Well, you know this, it completely depends on your partner, right? Because yeah. there's going to be men out there that are the second that you open up that way are going to, you know, <laughs> yeah. it negates some of what you say. Yeah. So I think that, you know, you have to know your partner and you have to know the people. There's certainly, there's going to be people in your life who can, can honor that. And you can say, you know, I might be a little bit more sensitive now. Yeah. I, I tend to be a little bit more sensitive now, but that doesn't negate the way that I feel. Right. And I feel like what you said, this, blah, blah, blah. I didn't like that, right. you know? And, 
you know, yeah, sometimes but we're also, you know, we're also more sensitive when we don't get a good night's sleep. Right, exactly. And when, and when we're, yeah. we have a cold and all of these other things. And I think that, gosh, or when somebody's yelled at us at work that day, we come yeah. home and we're more sensitive. So there's, I think that, you know, um, if we can just think about our cycle as just a piece of the puzzle and be aware of it. Just like I'm aware that when I am, after I've done a 24 hour shift, I'm right. super sensitive. Well, and like I tell if my I, husband if I have an eight, like I get angry, yes. like I'm going to yes. be irritable. Things are going to come out of my mouth much quicker than they would if my stomach is yeah. full. But these yeah. other things don't happen mm. in such a cyclical nature. Right. right. And so, and they're not just one gender. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, I think that, um, we're, we're kind of in this, this time that we're, we're treading lightly because we, we want to, I really think that we need to acknowledge that yes, women are different. Yes. Women have cycles and, um, that's okay and that doesn't make us less than because that's how it, I mean that's how we used to be seen and by many people we still are seen right. as 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 less than beca- yeah. and even women themselves some, yeah. sometimes feel that about themselves so I'm hoping that some men are listening <laughs> for the men that are listening what would you say what would you say to the men who are listening to, 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 to bring them into um, understanding this experience in sort of like the both and way for women I think what I would um, say to men is that there are so many things that go into affecting our behavior, and many of them are hidden to us. Mm. And just because we are able to see that the, the, that the cycle, if you know your partner, right, right, that you can see like, oh, this is this the, comes up with the, the cycle, rhythm of the it. rhythm of mm-hmm. it. Just because you can see that doesn't mean that. This, that's not always happening with other things. Right. And so it, it really doesn't negate how someone feels. Mm-hmm. I think that there's just certain times where yeah. we, you know, we're more sensitive to disruptions in our expectations and disruptions in our life. And whether that's our cycle or sleep or food or any of the things that make us human, right. we are human. Right. And that's, that's, you know, that's okay. And I think also, you know, when it comes to intimacy and sex, yeah, you know there are going to be certain times in the month when you're it, when sex actually potentially may be more painful for your partner, yeah, because of where they are on their cycle, yeah. Um, and I think that, or they may they may not ha- have as high of a libido, yeah, right. And I think I've experienced in working with couples that a lot of partners will feel rejection, oh, I right, know. yeah, and so feel, to feel like that's a rejection. Um, but when we are, when, when both are sort of aware and familiar with like the, the way in which, um, you know, her body is moving through this rhythm yeah. that it actually can, like the context of that can be really, really useful and supportive totally agree. for the couple in terms of like yeah. intimacy and, um, communication about sort of where, where she is at and where he is at. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, so one thing, this is just something that happened recently and I was just so struck by it. So I, when I, when I'm on my period and I need to go change my tampon, mm-hmm. I will go through great lengths to hide the <laughs> fact that this is what I'm about to do. Yeah. And I was so interesting because recently I'm a professor and I, I was in class and a student, a female student had to go to the bathroom 
and clearly had to, you know, change her tampon. She whipped it out. She was just like, flick, flick, you know. Yeah. There was just, there was no shame. And I was in so Isn't that much, beautiful? <laughs> I was in so much awe of her. Yeah. Like, I wanted to say something, and I yeah. didn't because I was like, it's, you know, she's just, I don't. This is this is my thing, right? Right, right yeah. <laughs> this is my like my internal piece of like, why am I so like a sh- like? Why do I have to protect the world around me? Girl, how am, much time do you have? <laughs> I am a woman, yeah, and that this is yeah. something that I have that I'm gonna do. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean. I mean, obviously, we don't have all day, but I would love to yeah. hear like a little bit of your thoughts on some of totally. this connected to like the shame and. Well, I'm I'm immensely proud of the generation of women that's yeah. coming up. Me I too. really am, and you know, and and women our generation too, yeah. because man, the when I look back on the the environment that that our generation was raised in, and the generation before us, the Gen Xers, I mean. It's it's so toxic that yeah. environment yeah. to um, just an understanding of our own anatomy right. and, and com- being comfortable. I did. I mean, I did this. I don't have a say. I don't have a period anymore because <laughs> I'm a reina. But when I did, yeah. when I was, you know, it's been a long time. But when I was in college and high school, yeah, I did the same thing. Totally yeah. wanted to hide that tampon as. And I mean, it's like, like far up my sleeve like as I possibly could. Length. Yes, yes. And like, if you don't have sleeves or like, by, by oh my gosh, if you don't have a, like pockets, yeah. it's like, well, I'm gonna bring my whole book bag, yeah, yeah. to the bathroom. Totally. And it's like, <laughs> what am I doing? Why yeah. am I trying to? Who am I trying to protect this from? Well, I think that I think that part of the answer. I think it's different in different cultures, so I can't speak to every culture because I think that you know it's that. it's different around the world and it's different in different parts of our culture within this this country but I think that for us a lot of it had to do with the way we've been marketed to as a consumer society so I was recently reminded of a ad campaign that Hanes underwear ran Hanes underwear for women ran in the 80s but it said gentlemen prefer Hanes for women's underwear oh my gosh it's not about us. No. It's not like, about us. And think about okay. the movies, like the movies mm. that we grew up with, right? Mm-hmm. Especially those 80s movies, the like teen movies, where it was, I mean, the girl's entire validation yeah. was how she was seen by the guy, yeah. you know? So we've we've been marketed to as, well, you, your your vagina needs to, to smell like spring, yes. You you need to not you know periods make men uncomfortable. Yeah. So let's so hide it. So hide it, mm-hmm. and I mean, even even grooming practices, right. right? I mean, I can remember when I was in high school and I played I, I played water polo and I was on the swim team. And I can remember getting undressed and some of the older girls coming up to me and being like, you know, boys don't like your hair like oh that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we did it to each other, you know? Oh, I'm sure I'm sure those girls now, I'd like to think that they'd be totally mortified that they said that to yeah. someone. But you know, we were I just remember that kind of that mm. culture of like you know, that's what the movies were telling us. That's what advertisements were telling us. And we were telling it to each other that, yeah. that our, that 
our worth was really how, you know, we were perceived by yeah, them. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that has a large part, to, a lot to do with it. I think our health education is also, and I, I can't speak to what it's, what it is now, cause I'm not a student now, but was abysmal. I mean, we, we've done studies and we've seen that women are far more aware of their internal anatomy mm. than their external anatomy. Wow. Like they, in anatomy that they can't see and right. probably doesn't matter as much that they know. Right. But I have 60 year old women who will come into my practice and they'll say, there's a black hole down there and I need you to look at it. I'm very concerned. Yeah. And I look and what they're talking about is their urethra. Yeah. And where their urine where comes from. Where their urine comes from. No Com- clue. No idea. I, all the time I take women through their I have we have mirrors in our practice yeah. and I take yeah. women through their anatomy because they 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 don't know. They don't know. And that you know what? It's not that's not to shame anyone who doesn't no, know. Right. It's not because when when was a diagram of our external anatomy right. ever ever put up for us and said, This is your labia majora, yeah. this is your labia minora, this is your clitoris. Right. You know, this is your clitoral hood. Yeah. This is where your your vaginal opening is, yeah. this is where your urine comes out. I mean, this is this is really basic anatomy that that a lot of women don't know. So I'm a parent to a daughter, you're a parent yeah. to a daughter. Yeah. Um, I'm also a parent to a son, right? So this isn't just about educating women, right? This is how can we help raise this next generation to to not go through the pain and suffering, Right. right? Right. Well, that I mean, that's a huge that's a that's a huge passion of mine, personally and professionally. Um, so when I changed Celeste's diaper, so I have a 17 month old, so she's yeah. still in diapers. <laughs> so when I change her diaper, I teach her anatomy, just like I teach her about her nose, her eyes, yeah. her ears. So, you know, obviously she's very much going to be the daughter of an OBGYN <laughs> because she's going to know all the, the technical yeah. terms, but the, you know, the area above your labia where, you know, you have your, your, your pubic hair in between your legs, that's yeah. called the mons. And so I tell her, this I is your mons. I didn't know that. I, you know, most people don't. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty technical term, but it's a cute term. It, <laughs> like, yeah. I like it. I mean, what people call it. Um, yeah. in colloquial terms, I really don't like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't even want to say it. I think you all know what I'm talking yes. about. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to say it, but we do know. I mm-hmm. hate that word, but yeah, it's called, so it's called the Mons. Yeah. Great. You know, very like benign sounding term. So, yeah. you know, I know people are afraid to kind of say labia and vagina and all that stuff, right. but we really shouldn't be. So I teach her about her labia because she's before puberty, she only yeah. has one set of labia. She, her labia minora have not developed yet. And then she has a clitoris and a clitoral hood and an introitus. And I literally teach her all teach those her words. all those words. Yeah. And, you know, and we'll, you know, kids soon discover that they have a, a pleasure organ. Yes. <laughs> they have an organ that yeah. feels good when they touch it. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we, when, whenever it is that Celeste discovers that, um, I'll have an age appropriate discussion yeah. with her about that. And I think yeah. that, you know, my husband's also a physician. So we're, we're very much like, this is your anatomy. This is what it does. Mm. And we really don't want to assign any shame. We want to teach her that it's private and that yeah. other people shouldn't be touching it, right. but it's not shameful. Right. And it's not shameful that she has an area of her body that when it's touched, it feels, feels good. good. Yeah. And that she wants to explore that. Exactly. Like totally okay. And I think, you know, I even think about the fact that 
no one ever talked to me about what an orgasm was or mm. what it what that meant yeah. or what it felt like. Yeah. And nobody ever told me that, hey, when you have sex, yeah. you should have an orgasm. Yeah. It's not it's not just about it's the not men. Just for him. And you know, I, I don't think that I I want to navigate actually teaching my daughter to have an orgasm. I think I want her to do that on her own. Yeah. But I do think that it's it's I want to tell her that that when you have intercourse yeah. that that should be a part of it. Yeah. And Give her, I mean, there's resources out there that teach women yeah. about that. I think, I think so many women, yeah. I mean, so many women have just gotten so used to having intercourse without having an orgasm because yeah. it's 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 as if we were just having sex just for the men, yeah. you know? Um, and that, and, you know, obviously we're, we're talking about heterosexual couples yes. here. You know, I think actually same-sex couples are much better at this than yeah, heterosexual couples. I think couples. so. Yeah. Um, you know, because, but... Yeah, I think it's it's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you were talking about a word that is often used to describe vaginas yeah. um, earlier. And it's interesting because people will say, people will call somebody who is weak that word. Yeah. Right? Um, so to the P, if anybody's wondering, like, what word are they talking about? <laughs> um, and it's so interesting because I remember recently um, hearing somebody say that, like, oh, he or she's... I think it was a he. He's such a yeah. P. And I'm just going to say it, pussy. Um, <laughs> he's such a pussy. Um, and and thinking to myself, vaginas are so strong. Yeah. Like, oh, my the God. Thing that, the yeah. things that vaginas go through, yeah. I mean, especially not being a mother. Yeah. Like, it's just weird. And their ability to heal. And their ability to heal. Yeah. And their resiliency. Yes, yes, yes Like, yes. why? Where did that come from? Where, where, did, where did we decide that the word... Pussy means weak and bad and I mean yeah. it's, you know, I mean I think we all know where it came from. But it's just it's just so I mean, and again, that's I mean, how often do we hear that and the I message know, that I comes know. with that? that. I, I think that there's, you know, and I have this the, this theory I've had for a long time, and you know, there's probably people who study this and are know much more about this than I do, but I feel like there's, you know, the, this depiction of women as the weaker sex is, is twofold. I mean, we know that fr from a physical perspective, uh, women do not have the muscle mass um, that most men do on, in, you know, general terms. Then when we talk about women as, you know, in a way we're more connected to nature, right? We're the ones who cycle mm -hmm. and, and like we see the cycles in nature, mm -hmm. we cycle too. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we bleed right. once a month if we're, um, if we're cycling and we have babies and we are this representation of the almost our animal aspect, yeah. you know, that we are not just these evolved minds, but we are very much a part of nature yeah. and we are animals. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, with the, the industrial revolution and all of that, we were trying to kind of reject mm. ourselves as, as animals. And we're saying, no, 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 we're going to build all these, mm -hmm. these structures and we're going to, yeah. we're going to separate ourselves from nature. And we're going to, mm. you know, we're going to create this, this other level of, right. um, that's separate from that yeah. and protected from nature. And women are just this constant reminder that like, Nope. You're an an we're animals. You're an, we're animals. You're an animal. I'm we're an animal. animal. We're all part of this and we yeah. can we can create all the buildings yeah. we want and we can create all the 
uh, all the you know the language we want and science, all of the science, all of it. But we, at the end of the day, are still part of nature, and so I think that that may be a piece. So of interesting. This. I don't know. So I've always thought that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. What else do you want to talk about? <laughs> I mean, there's so, there's so much. I mean, are there, were there any things that, you know, knowing that you were coming into this conversation um, that we haven't touched on yet that you feel like is, is, is relevant, important? Well, one thing I think that's important that people know is that I think a lot of people, and I get it, I mean, multiple times a day in my office, I think that a lot of people who are experiencing PMS or experiencing um, PMDD or something else think that they have a hormonal imbalance. Mm. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like one of the most common things oh, people come Oh, I hear that in. all the time, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, when clients become aware of their cycle and they see a connection between their mental health and the rhythms of their cycle... We'll say, I think I have a hormonal imbalance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the interest, the, the, the data is really clear on this. Okay. The, the hormones between a woman who experiences PMS or PMDD and a woman who doesn't are the, are the same. So that wow. they don't differ. It's not that your hormones are imbalanced. There is some, there's, we don't know what it is, but there's a genetic difference between mm. women who experience it and women okay. who don't. And it's probably way more complex than you know, but you know, we're looking at some, um, estrogen receptor genes. Um, they, they looked at serotonin because serotonin, um, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors yeah. like Zoloft and Prozac really work. SSRIs. Yeah. yeah. SSRIs really work. Um, so they looked at the serotonin receptor, maybe yeah. the serotonin receptor, and that didn't, that didn't really pan out, but there's something, there's a difference there. Mm. It's likely genetic. Um, and we don't know what it is, but it's not, you can't, you can't necessarily balance your hormones to get rid of it. Right. The first line treatment for PMS and PMDD is an SSRI. Okay. And then some people will, you know, we, you can use birth control to shut yeah. down the cycle, but that's not first line. That's not first line. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, that's really helpful. <laughs> My gosh. I am so glad that we talked about vaginas <laughs> today. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Dr. Sterling. Always where a pleasure. Can people, where can people find you and continue to follow your work if the things that you're saying are really speaking to them? So on Instagram, I'm Dr. Dr. Sterling, Dr. Sterling OBGYN. Sterling is like Sterling Silver. And then I have a website where I occasionally blog when I have time, and that's the sterlinglife.com. Thank you so much, Christine. Oh, I loved being here. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. If you did, you might want to subscribe and be the first to hear about future episodes as soon as they air. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me. Have a great day.